Brew Strong is brought to you by morebeer.com, where a man can brew like a man. for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Another episode of Brew Strong. I'm here with my... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Am I yeah. supposed to talk now? <laughs> yes. Coming uh, in with another rip-roaring uh, <laughs> start to the show. My good buddy, okay, here uh, we go. John the Rock Palmer. Good morning, everybody. That's about as weak as it come. Good okay, morning, well, everybody. Good morning, Bruce Strong. That's better. That's almost as good as greetings, cretins. <laughs> and we have uh, our special guest host in the studio with us today. We got uh, Mr. Jason Petros. Hey, JP. Hi. So we got two JPs on the on the on the air now. That's true. Same time could be confusing, but only one is really handsome. That's right. Thank you. John is really good looking. <laughs> You're very welcome. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, and uh, how you been doing, John? I've been doing good. Just uh, you know, usual busy stuff. Um, been preparing a presentation for some brewers in Argentina the last week. Oh, and uh, they had invited me to come down to you know speak at their conference, but uh, just couldn't couldn't swing the time away. I mean, you can't. Can't go to Argentina for just a weekend. <laughs> no. You, you got to take some time down there. Yeah, right, right. I always, yeah, the flight is an entire weekend unless yeah. you're unless you're a senator, and then in that case, right, then, <laughs> that's true. Then off you go, or is that governor? It was the a governor, governor yeah. Oh, governor. Governor, yeah. off, off to Argentina. They're, they can do it faster. And so instead of Argentina, you're doing uh, Nashville. You're going to do the uh, Music yeah. City Brew Off, huh? Looking forward to that. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, and I'm going to San Antonio at the end of this month. Oh, cool, um, cool. Yeah, that should be a good time. Never been to San Antonio before, though. My wife, uh, my sister has been has lived there for a number of years, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, that should be neat. That's a cool little town. I went there for a few hours. Saw the Alamo. That's yeah. a, that's what I did. The one time uh, I was in San Antonio years ago for a conference or something or for work, I. Uh, uh, went and saw the Alamo, went to the homebrew shops, and that was pretty much it. <laughs> Got back on the plane and left. Well, at least you saw the brew shops. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, I got my priorities. It's a, a beautiful place. Um, would have liked to spend more time there, but uh, you know, trying to mix it in with everything else is is tough. But uh, you know, one of the things you can do. Uh, if you want to know where Palmer's going to show up, you want to know where I'm there or where I'm going to be, and I think uh, JP as well. Uh, you know, we all got uh, the the Facebook thing, and we got the uh, the Twitter thing on the internets there, right? <laughs> Do they still have the internet? What's happening with that? I don't know. <laughs> it's still around. I had heard about it a while ago, and and I haven't heard much about it since. But 
uh, you know, uh, on Facebook uh, there, both John and I are there, and I think, I'm sure yep. JP's there, too, somewhere. Yeah. So you guys aren't the elitist homebrew type, where if you don't know, the, you per- if I don't know you personally, I'm not going to add you kind of people? Uh, the reason no. I didn't add you was... Uh, it was some mistake. I clicked on the wrong button or something. <laughs> it must have been. I'll re. I'll re-request you. Don't worry. Okay. Okay. No, over I, yeah, and J- over J- and over again. JP's on there, and uh, the Brewing Network's on there, and uh, yeah, uh, you know, go ahead. You see us on there. Uh, sign us up uh, as friends, and we'll uh, we'll definitely uh, accept you. And, and that's a good way to to find out what we're doing, where we're going, yeah. and what's happening. Uh, In Mike, fact, you can create um, separate lists um, from your friends, you know, such as Jamil, myself, and JP, um, and give us a name like, say, Rat Pad, and that way you can get a quick, you know, uh, snapshot of all your Rat Ted, Rat Pad type friends, and see what we're up to. Yeah, yeah, very good. And then uh, on my Twitter thing, what I do is I put the beer that I'm drinking. <laughs> I do the beers, and then the, so you're on Twitter a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm actually pretty. I have a lot of updates on Twitter, and uh, you know, I'll put where I'm going to go drinking. Tasty uh, and I went to uh, Sack Brewing last week, and uh, you know, we put that on there that we're going to be down at Sack Brewing. So, you know, you sign up for that, you see where we're going to be, and uh, you know, feel free to come out and join us. And and uh, you know, we wouldn't put it out there if we if we didn't want you to come out and join us. Uh, you know, <laughs> if we if we wanted uh, privacy. We wouldn't be posting it, so uh, don't don't be embarrassed about coming out and saying hi. I'll remember that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Although I guess I should add that I, I don't twit um, or Twitter tweet. Yeah, tweet. Um, never got into Twitter. People are twits. Uh, <laughs> people do or don't tweet. Ah, uh, okay, got it. <laughs> don't tweet where you eat. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That's going to be another fine show. I can tell already. <laughs> problem is it's a lack of beer usually we blame it on the beer but this time it's a lack of beer well what's our show going to be today justin what's our what's our listener question all right let me play it for you we had a listener call in and leave it for you personally was real excited to talk to you guys so uh it's a little long but it's a very good question here you go Hey, Jamil and John, this is Steve from Bangor, Maine. Right now, I'm a partial nest brewer, and I'm currently building my MLP to go all green. Hey, play the right one. John, this is John K. from Minneapolis. I'm a member of the Minnesota Home Brewers, and I'm having a hell of a time washing yeast. I know you've outlined how to do this on many shows, but I can't seem to do it myself. Could you explain your goals for washing yeast? And some other questions you might a- answer are, how do you collect the yeast from your fermenters or carboys? What kind of residual amounts of wort and trub are left behind? How and when do you separate the trub from the yeast? And what size and type of container do you use to wash the yeast? Do you put it in the refrigerator uh, before or after washing? And what's the, the yeast sample's time and temperature at each, each step? And how do you store this washed yeast? What kind of containers do you use? And do you freeze your yeast? Those are excellent questions. I I get a lot of yeast washing questions all the time. So uh, I think it's a a good idea for for a Brew Strong show. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what. Why don't we take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll get into uh, what is yeast washing and how do you do it and why. Back after this.
Everything ready, Igor? Yes, Doctor. All the preparations have been seen to. Good, good. Soon the whole world will bear witness to my genius. For we are about to breathe life into a creature that once ceased to be and shall be once again. Uh, <laughs> doctor? Damn it, Igor. Never cut me off mid-laugh. Sorry, but uh, you were getting carried away and I... Uh... How dare you! This is the pinnacle of my life's work. Everything my father and grandfather worked for. Everything they... Just a conical. You were no fun. You know that? Throw the switch. (laughs) Just a conical? It's alive! Warbeer is scaring up some great deals this month on their very best gadgets. Like their carbonating keg lid, stainless steel mash paddle, and their frighteningly durable stainless quick disconnect sets. No matter how you brew, Warbeer has what you need to reanimate your brewery. Bring your gadgets to life this August at Warbeer. Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Catherine the Great Imperial Stout, are the perfect accent to Riverside dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. Don't miss the Beer of the Month, special rotating taps, and happy hour all day Mondays. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. Organic ingredients. Fresh, clean, good for you, good for the planet. And Seven Bridges has the best selection in the world. Everything is a click away at breworganic.com. Join the mailing list for special deals and regular updates about new products and specials. They have been brewing organic and serving organic brewers for almost 12 years. They can help you brew great organic beer. Take the National Organic Brewing Challenge, the only BJCP-sanctioned nationwide brewing competition just for organic beers. Enter the competition by October 10th for your chance to win great prizes, including a hands-on brewing experience at an organic brewery, brewing equipment, or organic brewing ingredients. Complete details about the competition are online at breworganic.com slash competition. Seven Bridges is cooperatively owned in awesome Santa Cruz, California. Everyone there is dedicated to worker and people-friendly business practices and environmentally friendly, worker-friendly brewing products whenever possible. Visit today, breworganic.com. Ewa, what's it feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. <laughs> it's the Brewing Network. Back to your hosts, Jamil Chef and John Palmer. Putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong. 
All right, we're talking about uh, washing yeast or maybe uh, rinsing yeast. Washing yeast has its own term, and rinsing yeast may yeah. mean something something different. I think rinsing is a little more appropriate to what we normally do as homebrewers. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we start off with uh, why don't you why don't you give us a, a definition of both? Uh, what's what's oh, washing okay. yeast? What's rinsing yeast? Okay. Well, yeast washing um, tends to refer to an acid treatment of yeast, where you in a more in a professional brewery setting where they uh, routinely you know ranch their yeast, uh, store it, repitch it, and so on, and culture it. Uh, they need to, you know, after a while, knock down bacteria levels in the yeast mass that they're going to be pitching to the next batch. And because yeast can take a lower pH than bacteria, um, by acidifying a yeast culture or, you know, a suspended yeast, um, they can kill off the bacteria or incapacitate the bacteria and uh, use that washing to separate um, viable yeast from bacteria. In a homebrew setting, we're not going to be reusing yeast as often um, as in a professional setting. And generally, um, if our sanitation practices are good, we don't have to worry too much about uh, bacterial contamination, although everyone needs to worry about sanitation. So we, in, we can rinse the yeast with, uh, just with boiled water um, and that allows us to separate the yeast, the yeast from the trub, and uh, that's our goal. Uh, the, the listener asked, you know, what's what's the goal of yeast washing, or in this case, yeast rinsing? The goal is to separate our viable yeast from the trub, and by doing that, you know, the trub consists of hop particles and leftover proteins and and uh, dead yeast cells, and by removing the yeast from the trub you reduce the risk of autolysis. You reduce the, the risk of off flavors from, uh, you know, leftover fatty acids. And uh, by using distilled water, or not, not necessarily distilled water, but boiled water, you, re, um, you separate the yeast from oxygen, which helps them go into a hibernation state and allows you to save them longer. Okay, so, so before I get too far ahead of everything, that's right. Probably- so, so uh, yeah, washing, uh, you're lowering the pH to something like what two point one, two point two, something yeah. like that, and you hold it for like twenty minutes, and that'll lower the bacterial population, and uh, it also stresses out the yeast, is my understanding. So, it's true, uh, right. you know, uh, something you can do at home, but uh, you know, my thought is, uh, you know, if if You've got bacteria in your yeast, then you know go get yourself another pitch of yeast for six bucks. You know it's it's kind of kind of crazy to do that as a home brewer. You know a, a new pitch of yeast is is uh, to start with is is pretty cheap. So uh, you know if 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 you're worrying about bacterial contamination, then uh, you know I, I don't think really yeast washing is the way to go. You might do it for fun, but uh, not necessarily right. the best thing for the yeast health and and. Again, uh, you know, probably better to start over. And yeah. then rinsing. I think as home, home brewers, we're more concerned about, uh, you know, getting more use out of a yeast mass we have right. in the fermenter. Well, yeah. and rinsing I do all the time. Um, 
And like you're saying, John, what I'm trying to do is get rid of all that, that those dead cells, get rid of all that, uh, uh, anything other than healthy, viable cells. That's what I want. I don't want all the hot matter and all that junk in there. And then once I have that, that clean pitch of yeast, I can determine what's the correct amount of that yeast to use in my next batch, and I get better fermentation that way. I don't get, uh, uh, you know, any, uh, um, uh, you know, dead dead yeast uh, in my next batch of beer. So, uh, right. you know, I know a lot of people they'll they'll do, uh, uh, you know, they'll pitch a new wort on top of an entire cake of yeast in the fermenter, and the problem with that is. Um, even if it's the, the appropriate pitching rate is that you have all those, those dead and dying cells in there. You want to get rid of those and start with, you know, just, just your viable cells because, you know, those things are going to, you know, blow up and, and die on you and, you know, yeah, not you a good often thing. get a brothy, you know, taste or smell mm-hmm. from doing that. Well, and, you know, it, it, it's not huge, but, you know, the, the more you, you carry those dead cells forward, the, the worse it's going to be. So, uh. You know, you start with fresh cells. Uh, you know, uh, the the lysing of the the yeast is not a a big deal. Really, really, you don't get very much, and it's uh, uh, you know not as much of a problem. All right, so why don't we go into some of the details on uh, on on the yeast and how you collect them um, and what you do with them from there? Uh, JP, you've you've washed and rinsed you've rinsed yeast before and you've collected yeast from your fermenters right no not at all never never oh, wow because i am not that confident in what i'm doing um mm-hmm. handling yeast, yeast. Right. so i just do i just use the vials i kind of take i mean not financially cheap um but i cheat in mm-hmm. my opinion mm-hmm. um you know I, I i'm starting to get more comfortable now with my process and and the way i brew that i want to start doing starters mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. i didn't before because i had three in a row that were infected mm-hmm. just growing just growing stuff it was worms in it it was really bizarre it's the weirdest thing i've ever seen um, but that was like yeah, talking about your stool ago. sample. We were talking about the, your oh, yeast sample. I thought you meant washing my quote samples. <laughs> right. No. So for the doctor. So, um, well, then yes. Right. No. Uh, no well, so and so part of it is the environment that you're brewing in, right? You're brewing yeah. a place with a lot of grain dust and a lot of uh, you know. Well, I was at the time in a warehouse and all that. I yeah. was at the time, but now at home, especially with a conical, um, I'm able to pull off that yeast, and I've I've been thinking about well. I should really be saving it mm-hmm. um, because, you know, multiple generations, it's only going to make it a little stronger mm-hmm. and uh, I'll probably get faster ferment and um, mm-hmm. cleaner ferment that way too. So um, it's a very timely topic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, the way that I collect the, the yeast off the fermenter is, uh, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm using carboys mainly now, is I will... Uh, rack my beer off and i'll leave just a you know maybe a half liter of beer in there or or half or, an inch of beer over the yeah and cake I, yeah not even that just enough that that i can use it to break up the yeast depends on what kind of yeast it is the the less flocculent the yeast um the less liquid i need to to break it free from the bottom and and right. uh, shake it up uh if you're using something that's real cheesy like uh like the uh, english strains tend to be then you need a little more liquid to kind of to bust that up but the reason i use very little liquid is i want to put it all in one container i want to put it all in like a liter uh, uh polypropylene bottle that i can autoclave 
and I get that thing uh, sanitized. And a liter or two liter, or sometimes I'll use you know a couple of one liter ones. And uh, those go through the autoclave. The top of the carboy, I will uh, you know douse that with uh, uh, alcohol with a you know a seventy percent alcohol solution, and I'll flame it, and then I'll you know swirl the carboy up, and then I'll dump the contents of that into the uh, plastic container, and. Uh, at that point, I label it, I put it in the fridge, I leave the, the lid slightly loose just in case there's any uh, off-gassing that's going to happen. I want to have an explosion in my fridge. And I uh, put it there, let it settle, and then I'm going to worry about uh, rinsing it. How about you, John? Uh, yeah, I, I do it pretty much like that, too. I brew tend to brew in carboys, and uh, after I'm done racking, I often... You know, I'm, I'm typically fermenting six gallons of beer and then transferring it to a corny keg. So I'll often have, you know, as you say, a liter or two of beer left in the bottom that I just got no room for. Um, and uh, I'll, depending on how much swirling is needed, I try to, I don't swirl up the whole carboy. Maybe I'll take a, um, you know, s- slowly get a little motion to get it, get the top layer swirling around mm-hmm. and uh, just pick up. You know the first you know quarter half inch of yeast, and get that moving. I'm trying to leave all the trub that's on the bottom of the carboy, and you can see it. That's the nice thing about carboys; you can see that dark layer at the bottom. You don't want to swirl that up if you can help it. And then you pour that into um, a jar. I tend to use mayonnaise jars, glass mayonnaise jars. Um, they you know you can put the lid on and put them put them in the microwave with a little bit of water and heat sanitize them that way. Yeah, um, problem with any glass container is you got to make sure you don't seal it off with a, a tight fitting lid that can build up pressure and uh, right. you know shatter the jar. Yeah, um, and you know I, I guess I do it differently then because I, I I take everything that's in that that car bar, swirl the whole thing up, and oh, put that in, okay. and that and that's one of the reasons that I I really uh, you depend wash on the, more than I do yeah. on the on the rinsing because I want to make sure I get rid of all that stuff, but I don't want to leave behind. Uh, you know, I don't want to take too shallow a cut of the yeast. The True. one of the things about the the yeast when they lay down in that that carboy uh, on the bottom, you're, you're getting the the, the quickest uh, flocculating yeast. The, the ones that flocculate better, they're less attenuative. Uh, on the very top, you're getting the ones that are least attenuative. The ones that don't tend to drop out of solution there uh, are least. Uh, flocculant. flocculant and more attenuative. Mo- more attenuative, and they tend to stay in solution longer and drop. The, to, on the top, if you keep selecting that that very top layer of yeast, the the less uh, or the less flocculent, the more attenuative yeast. Eventually, you will get a really dusty yeast that won't flocculate at all, and it can happen in just a couple of pitches. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was kind of surprised the first time that happened to me. And I was talking to Chris White, and he's like, "Oh yeah," he goes, "You know, you repitch once, and you can see that." I'm like, "Wow, really?" And sure enough, it it. it it can happen that way. So I like to get the whole thing. I think the important part about uh, harvesting the yeast, uh, and let's kind of cover that a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're using a carboy, you want to sanitize the, the top of the carboy. You want to work in a generally a dust-free environment or, you know, you, you don't want to have still dust air. settling, still air, um, or, you know, rising flame to, you know, uh, keep uh, the, the dust from settling. And then, uh, you know, a sanitary uh, container to put the yeast in. And 
the you know if you can sterilize it even better True. and uh you know work quickly but you know uh don't uh don't freak out you want to just get it into the container without you know dust falling in there so uh you know keep lids on things uh while you're preparing and then you know only open the lids you know at that last moment as you you need to transfer the yeast well jamil you were saying that you use an autoclave in palmer you said you use a microwave um yep. so if we don't have access to an autoclave i don't know many homebrewers that do microwave is fine even though you were saying try not to use glass because it could you know blow up um maybe soaking it in star sand is that good enough to do yeah, this kind of thing that's... or cuz that's my main thing is i don't right. i don't want to put it in a, a, a you know obviously a bacteria environment mm-hmm. i want to make sure whatever i'm sure. putting my yeast in is, is, if, is if clean. you have something that's heat proof um like these polypropylene containers you can actually just pour boiling you know get your tea kettle fill it up get it boiling and pour it in there fill it up with boiling uh water put the lid on and then you know you uh you know invert it, it a couple of times you know mm-hmm. fill, it, fill it like a little more than half full and then you know tip it over and and get both sides and if you have it boiling for you know, to where the outside of the container is getting hot, um, the that's good enough. Yeah, it's 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 very sanitary. It's not sterile, but eh, you're all right. You know, all the things that uh, you can't uh, kill in that short contact time, they're molds and spores and things like that that don't tend to really grow in beer. So, right. not not as big a deal. Okay, um, but uh, if you're collecting off a, a conical like uh, you have jp um then you know the, the the trick i think you know when i was using conicals is to really make sure your valves and all that are very sanitary you've sanitized them uh you've you know prior to filling this thing with uh uh wort to ferment you've uh, like taken those valves apart and boiled them and all that stuff and put them back together and then uh you know same sort of thing uh, sanitize it, spray some sanitizer on it, and then um, you know, open the jar at the last moment, rack it off of there. With the conicals, I tend to, um, you know, if you've already transferred the beer, uh, then you can kind of slosh it around and get the yeast off the walls because a, a lot of the yeast tends to stick to the walls, and it's, it's depends on the uh, the strain of yeast, but uh, that can be tricky getting all the yeast out of there. Otherwise, you, you tend to get just a center plug out of the middle of that yeast. Uh, which is still pretty good, you know. At least it's a representative sample. That's that creamy white stuff, right? The um, comes the, shooting uh, out the valve. Yeah, yeah. the uh, uh, you know the second generation, right? Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. kind of what we're shooting for when right. taken from a conical? Yeah, you know, when uh, commercial brewers are harvesting, they're you know they're trying to pull that middle layer, that middle third. So the bottom third they discard out of the out of the fermenter. Mm-hmm. They harvest the the middle third and then they discard the top third, which is you know the the that powdery. Yeah. Okay. But uh, so uh, that and if you're using a bucket, you know you'd rack off the bucket and then you'd swirl it and pour it just like you would a carboy. It's just yeah, obviously have a much larger opening there. Um, I guess you could harvest it with a spoon or something like that, but you know the more you leave that lid open, the more you're you're digging around in there. I think the the worse off you are. One of the reasons I like carboys actually is one of the same reasons you hate them is it has a narrow opening at the top, and uh, you know makes it hard to clean inside. But you know if you take the top off of it, you've got less surface area that's collecting dust that uh, can uh, get in, and you know all the all that dust carries bacteria, wild yeast, things like that that you don't want in with your other yeast. 
All right, so we've got it in the container. Now, um, what is it we're going to do to to rinse the yeast? What do you... What's your process, John? Well, it starts off with uh, cooled, boiled water. And the reason we're using cooled, boiled water is two re- there's two reasons. One, you want to get all the oxygen out. And the reason you want the oxygen out is because without oxygen, the yeast is not going to attempt you know, aerobic uh, metabolism. It, when at the end of fermentation, the yeast build up their glycogen and trellose reserves which are like starch reserves, and you know helps them hibernate. That's their, that's their fat store, you know, for the winter kind of thing. And uh, if you expose them to oxygen, then they're going to start using those reserves, and uh, you know attempt to you know come out of hibernation. So you want to avoid the oxygen and to help them stay in hibernation for storage. The second reason is that uh, you don't want any external nutrients in the storage medium. Again, if you provide them with food, they're going to try to come out of hibernation. And that food you know, will run out and they'll end up dying on you and you can't store them as long. So by going with cooled, boiled water, you're denying them oxygen, you're denying them food, and they stay hibernated and they stay viable longer in the refrigerator. Okay. So what I do is uh, I, I uh, actually... Uh autoclave uh, water in in uh, mason jars so i have uh, sterile water at all times oh, and then uh I'll, I'll add one of those to uh, i'll have my my container that just doesn't surprise me man <laughs> i have my water flown in from the swiss alps you should have sterile water on hand all the time. Yeah, you never know you could be needing to do some operations you know yeah god knows, the baby, you know, brain you surgery know. Uh, you know, uh, yeast washing. Get them in the operating room. <laughs> yeast washing, uh, and uh, so I'll, t- I'll take my uh, container of yeast. Now I've put it in the fridge for a couple of days, and the yeast portion and the uh, uh, true portion has uh, uh, settled to the bottom, and I will decant off the beer that's on top. And uh, usually it's like uh, you know maybe one third on the bottom, two thirds at the top. Decant that off. And then I'll add back sterile water, and I'll shake that up in that container. Now, one of the questions people have is like, "Well, how big a container?" And and I've I've had people. Um, uh, one guy I worked with in particular, and f- for some reason I can't remember his name. We've exchanged like fifty emails about yeast washing. Um, is that um, uh, you know you got to make sure you have enough room in the in the container. And enough water to really break up the yeast. You want you don't want big f- chunks of yeast. You, you want to thin it out enough that the heavy bits can quickly drop to the bottom, and the the, the you know so uh, all the little chunks of uh, hop uh, crusties, all those little black the the brown hop uh, the, the, the the you know hop bits and resins and. Uh, uh, proteins and all that stuff. You want those little chunks to drop to the bottom. The dead cells will quickly drop to the bottom, and uh, you know the, the the creamy good yeast is going to stay up in the liquid a little longer. So and, all that uh, all those little stuff are in like like let's say English yeast uh-huh. when it really blobs up like that. It's not just yeast; it's also right, right. So, yeah, crap. there'll be okay. crap mixed up in there. Huh. And so you, know, you shake it up, you know, violently, and you know, break that stuff up into into smaller bits and pieces. And um, 
you know, there's probably not a lot in there. Uh, but uh, Fix, I think it was, you know, he estimated like, um, you know, only 25%. I, I got it on my website. Uh, you know, only like a quarter of this, this stuff is, um, or a quarter of the stuff is non-yeast. It's, you know, it's just junk. It's uh, other stuff than, you know, the yeast that you want. Fats, uh, hops, you know, other other bizarre stuff. Yeah, let's let's bring up this point too that we're not we're not taking vast amounts of yeast out of the carboy. Maybe you know two cups at the most. I mean, you know, you're not, you're not trying to preserve the entire or harvest the entire viable yeast mass in the carboy. You, I do. You just want to get a sample. I, I mean, take but, the whole thing. Well, <laughs> but that could be like a gallon worth of of you know, material to try to fit in a fl- in a flask. Uh, you know, I, I from a from a sixty gallon carboy with you know five and a half gallons of wort into the carboy, um, I will you know harvest all that off into one uh, one liter uh, Nalgene bottle. Okay, and then um, you know sometimes you know it'll spread into two, and I'll, I'll use two one liters, and I'll do them half and half, but. Uh, why don't we do this? Let's let's take a, uh, a short break, and when we come back, we will get into uh, you know some of the, the, the tricks of the trade of of rinse and use. Back after this. Keep your carboy cap on. This is Bruce Strong. We'll be right back. Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months and then, until the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment nine years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Heller High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew Free or Die IPA throughout California and Alaska. And now, it's also available on draft at select accounts in the Bay Area. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. BN Army members, are you looking for a discount on hops? Keep listening. Nico's Homebrew Supply at nicobrew.com has hops by the ounce and by the pound. Choose from varieties like Amarillo, Centennial, East Kent Goldings, Holler Tower, Simcoe, Summit, Tomahawk, Warrior, Willamette, and more. And adding new varieties all the time, many for less than 20 bucks a pound. Whether a couple ounces at a time or an 11-pound bag, all hops are shipped vacuum-sealed and frozen straight to you. Nico's Homebrew Supply offers store-wide $5 flat rate shipping and won't waste your money on unnecessary overhead or advertising. They're going bare bones and passing the savings on to you. The staff at Nico's Homebrew Supply loves to brew and is committed to keeping homebrewing affordable and accessible to anyone who wants to join in this great hobby. And for a limited time, use coupon code BNARMY at checkout for a brewing network discount. Visit NicoBrew.com. That's N-I-K-O-Brew.com for your hops and more. NicoBrew.com. 
your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. White Labs, your source for maltose mowing monsters, announces the White Labs Platinum lineup for 2009. Looking for out-of-the-ordinary yeast to make the best beer possible? The Platinum strains from White Labs are only available for a limited time and make your homebrew stand out. Through February, find Australian Ale, Essex Ale, and Dusseldorf Alt Yeast. March and April, it's Nottingham Ale, Abbey 4, and Mexican Lager Yeast. And May through June, don't miss Premium Bitter Ale, Belgian Wit 2, and Belgian Bastogne Ale Yeast. Keep up with all the great yeasts in the White Labs Platinum Program at whitelabs.com, where you can also join the White Labs Customer Club. Brew with the freshest and most unique yeast with the White Labs 2009 Platinum Strains. White Labs. It's all in the vial. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back. We're talking about rinsing yeast. So uh, harvesting that yeast from your fermenter, uh, cleaning it up, getting rid of the undesirable bits, and then being able to reuse that yeast in your next batch. Um, one of the things that uh, we were talking about is uh, what kind of vessels you use and you know how much water ratio you need. I like to, to have uh, at least uh, you know, two-thirds sterile water to my you know one third cake of yeast, and by you know having that kind of ratio, I can shake it up. I get the the you know the separation of the the bits and pieces. All the little crud drops to the bottom, and after about you know ten minutes of that of letting it settle, ten to fifteen minutes, you see you'll see black bits and uh, you know all the uh, uh, other break material and dead cells and all that stuff will be on the bottom, and the top should be. You know, just a, an even, creamy, milky-looking uh, yeast slurry. And what I'll do is I'll decant that to another sterile container, and then that's the yeast that I'm going to be using in, in my next batch. I'll let that settle out, and, uh, you know, I can, you know, uh, decant the water if I want, or I can, uh, uh, you know, uh, put it into a starter or do, do anything like that. How about you, Palmer? What's, what's your technique for this? Uh, it's much the same, really. I mean, I guess I, I'm not as as uh, thorough in stirring up the entire fermenter as you are. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I do try to get, you know, a, a good cross-section of the yeast um, when I swirl up the fermenter. And I will pour, you know, say eh, three, four cups, you know, maybe a quart into my uh, container. And, again, as you say, I'll let that settle, let the black bit settle out. Um, for you know, period of time, five ten minutes, and then I'll decant off that uh, the cloudy mass that's mostly suspended yeast at this point, and uh, put that in another you know sterile container or sanitized container, and uh, then wa- start rinsing that with mm-hmm. uh, more boiled water. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I do want to get I want to get the yeast rinsed. I want to get it off the beer to a large extent. You want to do uh, that before you're storing it at all. Yeah. See, I do the I do the opposite, and and one of the reasons I do is, uh, uh, you know, the beer, which we assume is, you know, uh, that's as clean as that yeast is going to be as the beer. Um, mm-hmm. I I go ahead and you know store it with the beer, 
and it's okay. uh, you know supposed to be uh, you know a decent storage medium for it is for the, yeah, uh, it is it for the um there and I guess maybe I haven't done you know the side by side to compare but uh, you know there there's good arguments on the internet uh, one way or the other where you know by by keeping them in in sterile water you can keep it longer than under under uh, some concentration of beer but uh, I, yeah. I, I it's yeah. probably a small difference. Yeah, there is a, a storage technique. Uh, you know, you take like a, a test tube, like a slant tube, and you put you know just a, a, a touch of cells in there. Uh, you know, clean sterile. You like you, you plate your yeast, get yourself a single colony, grow it up, put that into uh, a, a test tube, and then you put distilled water in there, uh, sterile distilled water in there, and uh, you know it'll the yeast will store quite quite a long time in in that method. And uh, so I, I guess that you know maybe there's some similarity there as far as uh, this uh, this goes. And you know when I'm I'm selecting the entire yeast mass uh, out of the fermenter, and um, I guess maybe you you're having more liquid left over. What I'll do is when I'm racking off of the uh, fermenter, I will um, you know if once my keg's full, if I got any additional, I run that off into a, a separate container. And until I'm down to just a, a you know a little bit of liquid over the yeast, and that's why I'm able to get the whole thing into uh, okay. you know, one yeah. uh, one one liter container. Um, and one of the reasons I'm I'm selecting the entire yeast mass is I like to now I've got you know three full pitches of yeast for other batches okay. of beer. Uh, and I and I, I see your technique. Uh, I think that would work too, uh, especially if you're just trying to get a pitch for you know one one. Yeah, next that's batch. the thing. I'm I'm just going after one. I'm not going after three because <laughs> right. I don't I don't brew as often as you do as you do. Right. I like to I like to you know once I have that yeast, go ahead and uh, do two or three batches with that with that yeast right after that, and because uh, that that repitching that yeast. It's uh, it's great. It really ferments well. Does a great job. So, so I kind of like that. So we both kind of uh, separate the troop from the yeast by, uh, you know, shaking it up with sterile water. You know, we're right. and decanting. And right. you can do this a number of times, as many times as you want, until you you feel it's as as clean as possible. I usually only need to do it once. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if you got enough water to to yeast ratio. Uh, you know those those heavy bits drop out pretty quick, and you'll yeah. see a, a definite uh, buildup yeah. at the bottom. People, I think people get hung up on you know how clean it has to be and what the color has to be, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's it, you know we're not trying to uh, win a contest here. It's it's simply you know we want to remove my yeast is cleaner than your yeast. <laughs> we want to remove the trub, and we want to, you know, we want to get a, a, a good percentage of healthy, viable cells separated from the bad stuff, mm-hmm. um, so that you know the the slurry that you separate and decant off, it can, you know, it's going to be um, hazy. It's, it's going to be uh, oh, anywhere from the color of uh, you know wood, you know. Um, to you know, something some light beige to um, maybe even the color of, of uh, light peanut butter, but um, you know the more you rinse it, the more you can separate the whiter yeast cells, mm-hmm. and that the the color of the s- suspension will get lighter. Um, Sounds a little I, racist to me. <laughs> it's very German of you. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you know, a good a good healthy yeast cell. If you you know if you've um, separate them, you can you'll see that the the yeast is is much lighter in color than, mm-hmm. and it darkens as it as it ages. Right, and also uh, if you've been brewing a real dark beer, uh, you know you can you can rinse out. Uh, uh, you know all those flavors, those roasted flavors, and you know one of the reasons people talk about you know repitching from you know lighter beers to darker beers, you know less hoppy to more hoppy, lower alcohol to higher alcohol. I mean, there's reasons for that, but um, you know if you rinse your yeast, you'll you actually kind of remove a lot of the flavor of you know those roasted grains. Now, it's, quite a bit of it is inside the cells, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they'll still have that 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 flavor, but uh, and you know hop. Resins, uh, the isomerized alpha acids will actually coat the outsides of the cell, and you can't really rinse those off. But it does help considerably if you're getting rid of that that beer there that has all that flavor and replacing it with sterile water. Uh, you've actually mitigated a lot of that flavor impact of repitching yeast from the previous batch. So I've gone, you know, from darker to lighter and all that stuff, and it really hasn't been a problem. You know, maybe in the in the best of th- best of uh, uh, breweries, you would uh, you know plan it out and go go to darker or whatever, but uh, not not as critical once you've you've washed the yeast, rinsed the yeast. Do you find any uh, any sort of negative flavor profiles coming from a yeast that has fermented I- an IPA, let's say, mm-hmm. and then you want to do a pale ale or something like if you don't go hoppy to hoppier, um, because like you know as you said, some of those acids are still coating the right. yeast. Um, do they only contribute just a bitterness, and you can't really tell? Or is it like a, you know, like an older hop cheesy kind of thing? It's it's all isomerized alpha acids generally, and um, so it contributes mainly a bitterness. Mm-hmm. But uh, the the biggest impact, flavor impact of a t- re- harvesting and repitching yeast from a really hoppy, really bitter uh, batch of beer is that uh, it impacts the viability of the yeast and their ability to bud. Um, it's the same reason that uh, you know hops have been. Uh, used to uh, fight against bacteria and things like that. The the that uh, isomerized alpha acid like, it coats the bacterial cell, and then that it can't uh, you know replicate. You can't uh-huh. get more. So um, that's it. It kind of slows it down. It, it reduces the viability of the cells. It does the same thing to yeast. So that's that's kind of the main concern of that. Hmm. But you know you take that and put it in a starter that has no. Um, uh, hops in it whatsoever, and you grow that, and you get another batch. Uh, you know, you you can you can go ahead and uh, you know kind of revitalize that yeast. I wouldn't worry about it too much. I think it's. I think you know some of the stuff I'm real picky about, like fermentation temperature, and you know the progress of fermentation temperature. But you know certain things, there's some leeway there. That uh, yeah, best you know best uh, you know options might be one thing or another, but. I think there's some flexibility. It's not like every cell is going to have the acids on it, right? Uh, it pretty you know much I mean? coats everything evenly. But oh, really? I mean, you know, it, it um, yeah, but not not perfectly evenly across every cell. And, okay. uh, you know, they're still able to, to ferment after that. So, yeah, certain cells can't handle it as, as well, I'm sure. You know, it depends on the condition of each individual cell. And, you know, there's always cells that are, you know, dead and dying. And every and, and the important thing about this is in every ferment you do, at the end of fermentation, there's cells that are already dead. 
There are cells that are on their way dying. There are cells that, uh, you know, a whole range of things. And you want to get rid of all that crap. And you want to just have your, your healthy yeast if you can. Uh, you know, does does a lot for uh, your fermentation. All right. Uh why don't we take a, another quick break, and when we come back, we'll, we'll wrap up with a few more uh, questions about uh, rinsing yeast. Back after this. Brew right. Brew smart. Brew strong. This is Brew Strong. Hey, Push, the new brewery's looking good. Thanks, Finn. Piece by piece. Well, let's fire her up. Whoa! Is that a new kettle? Yeah, just got it brand new, but paid half price. What? And that blade scale? 40% off. And the new tap handle? Five bucks instead of 13. Got a new regulator for the brew sand, too, but five bucks instead of 25. Dude, where are you stealing all this stuff from? Where else? The more beer deal of the day. Announcing the Beer, Beer, and More Beer Deal of the Day. Every day, a new fantastic deal from big items to small that will blow you away. Boil kettles, carboy carriers, sterile siphon starters, digital timers. Watch morebeer.com every day for a new deal, and you just might find the item you've been waiting for at a price you cannot believe. Hurry, because stock is limited on most items. And that sweet Guinness cap, let me guess. The The More Beer beer Deal deal of the day. Day. Yeah, I knew it. Come on, let's brew something. Find the More Beer Deal of the Day at morebeer.com. Celebrity Voices Impersonated. In the past year, the Brewing Network has been able to add two new shows, expand our studio capabilities and quality, and bring more beer information home to you than ever before. In no small part, this is due to subscribers like you. Thank you from all of us at the Brewing Network. Without your monthly support of any denomination, we could not bring you the very best in live beer radio like Can You Brew It? Brew Strong and the Sunday Session. Haven't signed up yet? Join your fellow brewers in the BN Army. Sign up today at thebrewingnetwork.com for a recurring donation as little as $2 a month. Besides all the great live radio you'll support, every subscriber is automatically entered in monthly raffles for amazing brew gear like a conical fur a temperature control system, or your own draft setup. Become a part of the Bee and Army today. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of their 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Their Williams German Pills is mashed with pure German Moravian two-row barley malt for a light blonde color and malty crispness you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out their unique fermenters, draft beer 
repair equipment, bottling aids, and more. They even have their own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse their vast selection and enter promo code BREW at the order checkout for $5 off your next order over $50. Orders placed by 3 p.m. ship the same day. Again, go to williamsbrewing.com and enter promo code BREW at checkout for $5 off your next order. Brewing is easy the Williams way. This is Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Like the Lance Armstrong of the beer world. Except for that nut thing. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're talking about uh, rinsing yeast, a, a, a great subject for Bruce Strong. Uh, a lot of people have questions about this, and uh, one of the questions that uh, our uh, listener had was, uh, all right, do you put it in the refrigerator before or after washing? Now, I, I put it in uh, before washing. As soon as I harvest it, I put it in the fridge because I'm lazy. I let it all settle out, decant the beer, and then I add the, the water back and... Uh, shake it up he also was wondering how much time between the steps so i i, I put in the fridge um uh, wait a day or two till it settles that allows me to get rid of the, the the spent beer add the sterile water shake it up it's about 10 minutes before 10 to 15 minutes before all the bits settled on the bottom i decant to another container now i'm ready to go ahead and you know pitch into you know whatever my beer might be and that i'm making uh, or I can go ahead and put that back in the fridge and store it, and uh, you know, use it in a, in a few days. How about you, John? What's what's your timing like on these things? Uh, pretty much the same, except I'm usually doing the first decant the same night. Um, typically, you know, I'll I mean, after pouring the, pouring it from the carboy into the first jar, I'll give it you know. 15 minutes or so to to get the the trub to settle out to the bottom and then i'll pour off the uh the that that first uh uh, suspension to another jar and then stick that in the fridge Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. it's some yeah so i mean it's maybe maybe i misunderstood you but i think i'm i'm doing that that first decant right away Mm-hmm. Rather than letting it sit in the fridge for a couple of days, mm-hmm. just because I've got more time at that right then, and then I can, uh, after a day or so, I'll um, do a rinse with water, it decant off spent beer, mm-hmm. rinse with water, and then you know, put then put it back in the fridge. So and then I'll just leave it in the fridge right. there for months. <laughs> I guess the the difference would be uh, you tend to uh, uh, do a settling and a and a decanting. Uh, Right after harvesting the yeast, and I don't right. do that. I just wait until I, uh, I'm going right. to uh, add my water. Right. Okay. And then uh, storing the yeast, um, you put that back in the fridge. Sometimes I'll I'll go ahead and store the the, the harvested yeast with the beer on it for the longer amount of time, and then I will uh, you know go ahead and rinse after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you tend to do the decant first. Uh, as far as storage temperatures go, you want this uh, as cold as possible without freezing the yeast. That's, right. that's the ideal. The, the colder it is, uh, bacteria doesn't uh, have much activity, uh, and uh, the yeast don't have much activity, so they're not burning up their reserves. So uh, I, right. I have a fridge that I keep around 34 degrees, and um, 
that's where I put the yeast. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I stick it in the fridge also, mm-hmm. and it's it's my uh, it's my keg fridge. So it's it tends to be warmer. It's like you know forty mm-hmm. um, as opposed to you know down there towards freezing. But uh, the the yeast will stay um, for several weeks. Uh, I think right now I've got. I've got an Erlenmeyer flask in there from uh, that's about two months old, mm-hmm. and it's still just a very light brown color, which is you know perfectly viable. You know, pitch that to a starter, and I'm off and running. Right. There's a, there's a few things that can happen in storage that uh, you know, want to be aware of. You know, um, if if there's any bacteria in there, which there is going to be. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the longer you store it, especially if you're storing it warmer, uh, the bacteria will be uh, multiplying, and you will end yeah. up with more bacteria in that in that in that uh, slurry. Uh, the viability of the yeast is dropping during that time. They are using their reserves. You know, their health is dropping. They're going to be less ready to ferment, and you can also have mutations that occur during that time. And mm-hmm. um, you know, the longer the storage, the you know, the the worse off you can be. So. Uh, you know, while these may work, um, you want to be careful about, you know, storing them for too long. The the yeah. best, the best thing is if you can go ahead and, you know, repitch that, you know, within a week or maybe two, the, the sooner you can do it, the better off you're going to be, uh, the, the, the better ferment you're going to get. Um, you know, so you, you just want to be careful if, if it's a long time, you might uh, take a selection from that, uh, you know, grow it up in a starter and you know, see how if the starter seems normal and smells normal and all that, then, right. uh, then you'd right. be okay. But uh, you know, I tend to you know store uh, ye- harvest and store all the yeast from all my batches, and then I'll come across yeast that's like a year old. <laughs> One of these things, I just dump <laughs> it out. You know, they you could probably use it, but unless it's some strain that's really hard to get a hold of, it's better to uh, you know just start yourself a fresh pitch. I think. Right. Yeah, it, it it's the whole as with many things in brilliance. It is forgiving, you know. Um, use your eyes, use your nose, you know. Gauge the health of these. Um, if it's turned dark brown, then yeah, it's too old. Don't don't bother. You're going to get a lot of tallest flavors mixed in. Um, if it's still light brown, uh, it's good, and you can pitch it to a starter and get and get a good healthy uh, starter going from it. So what you're saying, if it's brown, flush it down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. If it's light brown, keep if it around. If it's white, then it's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Is there a rule? Of, <laughs> is there a rule of thumb, like timeline wise, for too long? Is is four months too long? Is two months too long? Yeah, in general, or or I think that's, I would, that's an excellent question, and it, it, it depends on uh, how healthy the yeast was to start with mm-hmm. uh, before you began fermentation the health of the yeast after the fermentation and the strain, um, you know, different yeah. strains have different, uh, um, shelf lives, kind of. shelf lives. Yeah. Uh, you know, f- for me, the, uh, the, uh, like California ale yeast, uh, the, the 1056, that'll, that'll actually stay for a long time. It stays pretty healthy for a long time. Yeah. You can actually you hold on to that for quite some time. The yeast like, uh, uh, all the wheat yeasts, all those Bavarian heifer yeasts, they tend to go south like in a week. 
And if you don't use them within a week, uh, you're in real trouble. They, they just either they're totally dead or they don't ferment right or whatever. And I've never heard the yeast companies say that, but what they talk about is lager yeast. They say, oh, the lager yeast are real temperamental, and uh, you know they won't store for more than a couple of weeks. So uh, that's that's what they say. Um, I've had better luck with lager yeast than I've had with the wheat yeasts. The English ale yeasts tend to be somewhere kind of in the middle there. Though, you know, so Cal Ale 1056, that's good for at least a month, four weeks mm-hmm. uh, or so, uh, maybe six weeks. Uh, you know, the English ale yeast, you get maybe, um, you know, three weeks, four weeks. And the lager yeast, uh, I guess about the same. And then the wheat yeast, one week, two weeks max. At least that's my experience so far. I, I've successfully used them, you know, two and three months after, mm-hmm. you know, of storage. Um, but again, I, you know, I'm, I, like I said, I'm taking precautions in terms of oxygen exposure. Um, you know, I'll fill up the the container with sterile water. Yeah. So that well, and let me. Reduce- all right. So let me let me qualify this. All right. I can take yeast that's been in storage a year, and I can use it. Mm-hmm. What I'm what I'm talking about is the time frame, uh, like. Uh, JP's asking is, you know, you know, what's kind of the best buy date? You know, when, yeah, when, you know, I could still use it after that, but when do I really want to have it done by? And that's what I'm talking about. I think, you know, mutations and, uh, you know, just uh, the yeast Bacterial dying off, things like that. Yeah. Um, those are the kind of time frames I'm talking about. Because, okay. you know, a lot of people on the internet, they're like, oh, no, I used yeast a year later. Oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's like, well, <laughs> you know, there are reasons to worry about it. And, yeah. you know, if you get your ingredients real cheap and you're, you know, you're not paying $30 for, you know, or $35 for your ingredients uh, for a batch of beer, then, okay, yeah, go ahead and, and take your chance. But, yeah, well, and if your time isn't worth that much. Right. Yeah. Right. Your time, all your effort, <laughs> you know, uh, go ahead and throw in whatever yeast. But yeah. if you're, you know, otherwise, it, it's best if you're not going to use that yeast, uh, you know, relatively soon. Uh, you know, go ahead and get yourself a, a fresh pitch of yeast and start over. I think yeah, I think you're you do much better that way. I think that's uh, true. Yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah, it's not the end of the world, but um, you know, try and use that yeast early, no matter how many precautions you might take. Okay. Uh, we got questions from the uh, chat room. Yeah, a few questions. Uh, a lot of different ones about uh, you know different solutions to use other you know other than water. Uh, mm-hmm. for cleaning but here's one about a chemical also um brett emailed us in he wants to know if anyone's ever used uh chlorine dioxide tablets to kill any bacteria yeah. in a slurry you know before repitching again no. yeah and i've 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 read about it i haven't personally done it and um you know the the whole thing is uh you know even that's stressful for the yeast and if you're that concerned about Bacteria that you are going through this whole thing, um, I would just you know start with a, a fresh pitch. Yep. Okay. And then, like I said, questions about different solutions to use. Dressel is in the uh, Dressel brews in the chat room, and um, he wants to know about using light beers to wash yeast instead of uh, sterile water. Hmm. Yeah, you know that's uh, and the the theory goes that uh, you know Bud Miller Coors, it's it's pasteurized. So there's you know no bacteria in it. Those are pretty shelf stable, mm-hmm. and the carbonation helps. Uh, I've I've tried this before because a friend of mine was telling me about this. 
uh, you know, and the carbonation helps separate out the you know the the better yeast from the bad yeast. And I really didn't see that being the case. I, I get much better results with uh, water because you don't have all the foaming. And the foaming just makes a mess, and it's just real pain in the ass. So I, I yeah, just use water. I'd, I'd rather boil up a tea kettle of water than you know suffer the embarrassment of being seen buying bud at the store <laughs> <laughs> again. Second time that yeah. day, that photo showing up on the internet again, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. a Bigfoot photo. I'd pay good money for uh, a photo sent to us of Palmer buying uh, bud at the yeah. store. Preferably a security vi- footage. Yeah. That would be even better. <laughs> Looking over his shoulder. <laughs> Caught on tape. Adjusting his, his skirt and his high heels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, now, how about yeast cell counts? Chlorophenol is in the chat also, and he wants to know, um, you know, how do you know how much viable yeast do you have? Are you guys doing cell counts when you, when you uh, collect these and wash them? Well, all right. So, <laughs> y- you know, viability is a really tricky thing to estimate. Um, but you know, over time, if your practices are the same and you're you know you're repeating these things, you can kind of learn you know where you're at, and you can you can go ahead and count these. Now, um, I have done plenty of uh, viability uh, uh, testing and cell counts of my slurries in the past. And the numbers that work for me are in the uh, pitching rate calculator on MrMulti.com. And so it kind of assumes that at harvest you're you know at a certain percentage, you're at maybe 100%, and it quickly drops off from there over time. And so uh, you know it really depends on – you're probably more like um, – uh, you know, 95% or something like that, you know, or in the low 90s uh, when you harvest. Uh, you know, your average beer, your average health starting out, you're kind of around that point. Okay. And then uh, then it drops off from there. So, you know, figure 90%. Okay. Another solution question. A couple people in the chat asked about using wort to separate uh, instead of water. No. No. Okay. You don't want uh, something with a, a, a thicker viscosity. So anything with dissolved sugar is going to be thicker, and um, you know that's going to. You want that uh, that nice thin water to let everything drop, and that's yeah. why you want to add a lot of water. Uh, you know, uh, you know you're going to if you have a uh, hundred mils of yeast, you want at least um, you know three four hundred mils of water in there. You know, and you know, the the more water you put in there, the the easier it is to separate the stuff out. Okay. Okay. And with that water, um, you had mentioned boiling it. Um, so someone want to know how long are we boiling water? They know that you're not sterilizing it, uh, but to to get rid of the O2, the different things you talked about, how long are they boiling water to use? A uh, couple minutes. That's it. Just a couple minutes. Okay. Yeah. All right. I've I don't have any uh, technical reason for. A long period of time. I mean, the legal reasons. Uh, the time yeah. is fifteen minutes. <laughs> yeah, I, right. There are, there are. I think there's information on the internet that says if you boil for ten minutes, you've achieved this amount of uh, kill. kill. Yeah. But uh, you know, I just you want it, most most of the air is coming out as it comes up to a boil. As it starts to boil. The uh, you know the air is gone. Yeah, boiling um, liquid doesn't hold any gas. Yeah, so just a couple of minutes and and uh, then let it cool. Okay, 
Now, a couple questions came through about what kind of pitching, kind of comparing the different styles of pitching, doing starters, etc. So, someone, uh, special ed in the in the chat room asked, uh, when doing a, a big brew like a double or a triple box, is it better to use washed yeast over new starters? I mean, how do we make that choice? Hmm. I'd say new starter. Yeah, I I I'd go. It depends on uh, what you're doing. Um, I prefer going with a repitched yeast, just because um, you know when you get into that third generation, fourth generation, boy, those yeasts are just cranking along. They they really they're I don't know exactly what it is, but they are uh, dialed into your brewery and and they will just uh, just go gangbusters and you know better attenuation, a lot of different things like that that I really don't just get from starters. Yeah, I um, agree with Jamil there. I, I think I misunderstood. Um, maybe I, th- I thought that he meant just simply pitching pitching the wa- the washed yeast alone to the beer, um, which he probably didn't mean. Uh, but yeah, definitely uh, I agree with Jamil. And just to clarify that, Jamil, have I heard you guys say before, you know, when you're repitching, you want to be coming from lower gravity beers to higher gravity beers? You wouldn't maybe Generally. take the third generation of a bunch of box because that, that yeast might be a bit tired and, and used. Although, if you're making Bach after Bach yeah. after Bach, you know, it's the same recipe, okay. I, I think you're okay repitching the, for that. Yeah, um, you've acclimated the yeast to that kind of beer. Okay. And but, uh, it's it's a question of it's a question of harvesting healthy cells and pitching healthy cells to a good starter, building up the right pitching rate, and then going into that style of beer. Yeah, so, um, and you know, and, and you can just repitch directly. Uh, you know, I I have good success with that as well. Uh, one of the things that uh, Michael Lewis was talking about at the. Uh, uh, the uh, homebrew conference this year was, you know, selective pressure, and you know, he was talking about how if you have a beer that turned out with a, a great beer, harvest the yeast from that and reuse it, and then you know every time you know a beer turns out great, harvest the yeast and reuse it, and you know just uh, put that selective pressure on it so that um, you know the 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 yeast is going to be making the beer that you like, and the beer is going to turn out the way you like. Uh, you know, if you start, uh, and you know, with everybody's brewery and the way that you do things, the yeast, uh, you know, it favors some yeast cells and, and doesn't favor some others. And, um, brewer's yeast doesn't mutate that fast, but, uh, you know, selective pressure is an interesting thing where you can, uh, you know, by selecting the yeast that, that you like the results from, uh, you know, it favors the kind of results you like. So, uh, you know, that's one of the beauties of repitching is uh, you kind of get your yeast dialed into what it is you do and what you do in your brewery. So um, I, I like, and especially since it's very difficult to build up. And here's, you know, you could do, do this from a starter and it's just fine. The reason I don't like doing the starter is because it's a lot of starter to build. If you're going to brew five gallons of Bach, right, or Doppelbach, for a, it's a logger, a high gravity logger. You need a lot of frickin' yeast for that thing, mm-hmm. and you're essentially going to be making five gallons of a starter, you know, some lower gravity starter. So you might as well just brew a beer and use the yeast from that, mm-hmm. and you know, hmm. you know, make a, a Munich Hellas or something, and uh, you know, an easy drinking, you know, session logger, and use the yeast from that for your Doppelbach. Okay. 
You know, and or you can make just a, a buttload of starters. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, here's another comparison question. What do you guys consider better, yeast washing or yeast top cropping? Oh, well, this is, you know, that's it's, an interesting question. That's, I mean, two totally different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would, I think if you um, can well, get enough yeast from the top cropping for what you're intending to do, then top cropping is better. Okay. Well, better for what, I guess. You know, it depends on how you're set up, I would imagine. Right. You know, if you have a carboy, how are you going to top crop? Uh, yeah. You know, carboy cap, know. you know, you put the racking cane in, hmm. um, and then just pressure ferment will blow it out. You know, you plug up the other other uh, line on the cap mm-hmm. and just let it blow out into a jar. You kind of like, like a vacuum cleaner. Huh. Okay. Um, or you can actually inject, you know, CO2 very carefully, a very low pressure into one line and, you know, you, you move the end of the racking cane around through the, the yeast that's on the top and it'll just blow it right out through there into a jar. Using like one of those carboy caps? Yeah. yeah. and uh, Maybe like a know. sanitary air filter kind of blow in there? Yeah, you could do that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, although I don't trust those filters 100%. Well, no, they're ninety nine point nine nine eight. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, CO two, I trust because uh, nothing's really living in that CO two. Um, you know, hundred percent CO two. So, mm. uh, of course, that's not hundred percent CO two either, is it? It's ninety nine point nine. So you're screwed either way. No, I, I, but I think you know if you can top crop. Uh, you know, McDole does a lot of top cropping, but he uses buckets, right, for fermenting, and or then it just scoops it with a spoon and all and so uh you know that that works well really well you know that's that yeast is kicking that yeast is you know at 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 peak ready to ferment you toss that into another beer it's it's off and running do you need more of of that top crop yeast than you would or less rather than uh than a washed or rinsed yeast uh i would imagine right well technically yes but um you know there's a certain minimum so it really has to do with viability Right, so the yeast that you're top cropping, 100% viable. That's perfect viability. I mean, mm-hmm. there's probably some that aren't. You know, some get carried up that are, uh, you know, dead for some reason. Um, but call that 100% viability. When you harvest a yeast and for repitching, figure like 90% viability. Mm-hmm. So you'd need at least 10% more yeast for that. And um, you know, the yeast have to go through their cycle and, and, and get built up. The thing is, I wouldn't uh, depend on top cropping so much and viability of that so much that you underpitch and then have a lot of growth in order to get to the right amount. You know, excessive growth, uh, you know, ends up with uh, more esters, uh, fusel alcohols, things like that. So, um, mm. of course, not enough growth ends up with more esters and fusel alcohols and things like that. So... Uh, you know, see that's what scares the hell out of me about doing about messing with yeast like that. Because I don't, I don't know. Is there right. is there some I don't know recommended level that you are in your brewing where you would say no, you're not quite Fourth ready level to ninja do it. Master, yes. Yeah, well, you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> like let's say I'm just doing extract for a year, and it really yeah. interests me to to do it, but maybe I'm not at the level of my process. Um, not saying you know right, right. extract is less than all grain, but there's a certain amount of process more uh, mm-hmm. in an all mm-hmm. grain, certain more, more more time investment and all that. Um, I, I don't know. Does that 
uh, train you maybe to be able to pay attention to to handling yeast like that? I think that's an excellent question. I think an excellent point. I think um, you know one of the things that happens is people uh, you know they go to all grain and at the same time they start to do things like starters and uh, you know repitching yeast and all this stuff and they end up you know brewing better beer and they say well it's because I went to all grain. It's like well no you you make excellent beer with extract. I think we've all done it right. Um, and it's really based on more, you know, sanitization, uh, you know, fermentation, fermentation temperature control, things like that. But when people go to all grain, they decide they're going to spend some money. And, they, you know, they'll spend money on fermentation temperature, you know, pitching the right kind of yeast. A lot of times they go from, from dry yeast to liquid yeast cultures. You know, all those things tend to add up to better beer. So I think, um, you know, when you're starting out, you know, you start out with extract and and specialty grains. Uh, you should get yourself, uh, you know, a, a kettle big enough to you know boil the full wort in, and then you should f- be focusing on fermentation temperature and um, and you know yeast uh, pitching the right amount of healthy yeast. That's, that should be like your next step, right there. And then mm-hmm. after that, you can worry about all grain. You can worry about you know conical fermenters, all that stuff. I th- my my response to your question, JP, would be that if you have enough experience um, brewing infection-free beer where your sanitation mm-hmm. processes are good, um, then I think you can you can go and experiment with yeast pitching and yeast washing and you know stars and all that because you've got you've got the baseline. You know how to keep things clean. You know how to keep things you know separate. And uh, you can go into that being confident that you're only changing, you know, that one variable. You're not, you know, having, uh, you know, sanitation problems entering into your process. Makes uh, sense. Well, that, that's a good point. I yeah. think, uh, though, that, you know, you want to make sure you have the proper pitching rate mm-hmm. because that will help you with sanitization problems. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and yeast health yeah. will help, you know, overcome some of those problems. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think before you get into repitching, you better make sure you know how to keep things sanitary, because otherwise, you know, you're you're shafted. It's going to yeah, be. Yeah, I, I think I think your your comments at the beginning of the show, Jamil, where you know spraying the neck of the carboy and make sure it's sanitary when you pour. You know, they got mm-hmm. the sanitized containers. Um, you know, still air. You know, doing a room where you you can be confident that you're reducing your risk um all that's going to help you you know help ensure your success with uh, yeast rinsing and and uh, reusing yeast i i think i think you can do it i don't think you need to mm-hmm. be an all-grain brewer i think you can be an extract brewer and doing this also yeah and it'll uh, really improve the quality of your beers yeah yep all right, and the last thing from the chat is a clarification. Uh, they're complaining to me that I screwed up the wort question about using wort to wash the yeast. They didn't mean to wash the yeast. I to guess store. what they meant was could they make a wort starter, pour it into the carboy mm-hmm. so that the starter now is actually in the carboy rather than taking the yeast out of the carboy and then pour off the actively fermenting starter? Uh, you can. I mean, um, you're... No, you're not washing anything. You're just making another yeah. starter, aren't you? 
Yeah, you know, there's also, well, I, I, I guess, you know, the amount of bacteria that's in there is, you know, the same amount of bacteria is probably going to be in here. Hmm. <laughs> Although the bacteria tend to, uh, you know, be consuming the, you know, the, well, hmm. I honestly don't know, I don't understand why you'd want to do that. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't see the... Well, if you added enough starter liquid into that, onto that yeast cake, right? And then the cells that are living and active, they're going to go up into suspension into that into that starter liquid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're going to be in suspension. And then you decant that, mm-hmm. leaving behind all the the crud on the bottom. It's an interesting concept. Yeah. Would you worry about uh, all of that trube and nastiness on the bottom uh, once you pour that yeast starter in, kind of swirling up and kind of burying the active cells? Uh, I would think it, it would kind of constrain. Yeah, it'd be a tough a pour, a tough way to decant. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but you know, once that you get your starter active, I mean, you go swirl the whole thing up with. No, I mean some, bef- some before liquid. it's right. even act. Well, uh, right. starter. Yeah, yeah I, okay, I, I'd right, say right. you add that that liquid in there, and it stirs everything up on the bottom. I'd shake the whole thing up. I'd get break free everything from the bottom with some some starter wort, right? And 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 get that thing all mixed up. And then, um, you know, the thing is, you need it to be. Uh, you need you need to have a little bit of a column to let some of that stuff settle out. And the mm. carboy, I'm not sure. So, I, I mean, you could do this in another container, even. Mm-hmm. You know, just pour it into a gallon container or whatever. You know, with some starter work. Three and, gallon uh, carboy or something. Yeah, and mix it up real good, and then. Um, you know, wait. Uh, you know, a certain number of hours, and the yeast are going to become in suspension, and the the crud will still be on the bottom. Yeah. And then, uh, and then you could decant that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't see why you couldn't. Okay. Yeah, Although makes... you know, you tend to have so much yeast there that you don't really need to make a starter. With it. Yeah, that, that's what kind of where I was coming from. You know, if you're going to let it sit for a couple of weeks, then maybe you want to make a starter with it. But if you're going to use it within a week. Um, there's really no need to make a starter with it. You just you repitch that that yeast. It's ready to go. Okay. It's still you know in the upper 80s of viability at that point. All right, and that's it from the chat room this week, guys. Great. All right, so uh, we covered uh, yeast uh, rinsing, not yeast washing necessarily, but yeast rinsing and uh, how you uh, go about that. And the reason why you would re- yeast rinsing is uh, you know cleaning out the uh, the bad stuff out of your your reharvested yeast, the, yep. getting rid of the uh, the break material, the trube, the the bits, the Braunhoff, the, the, the dead, dead cells. cells, all that crud. Uh, and then uh, you know we talked about how you would uh, add the sterile water and shake it up to to break that apart and let that stuff settle. How you'd store it, uh, and we talked about some other intriguing options for uh, doing that and. Uh, I think it was a good show overall. I think uh, our great sponsor, More Beer, uh, www.morebeer.com. They made this show possible. If you like this show, uh, you know, you ought to tell More Beer that you like them because they, they actually uh, made this possible for you to hear. They're, they're good guys, good company. They've uh, got a great website, www.morebeer.com. They also have uh, more coffee, more wine, a whole more flavor uh, group of companies and. uh they are experts in everything that they do. Uh, I, I said, you know, why not more hand jobs? And they go, well, no, we, t- we want to do stuff that we really know really well. We're not good at that yet. We're yeah, practicing. We're practicing. Yeah. So, no, they're fantastic guys. Great products, great prices, great service. Uh, give them a buzz when you need something for your brewing. 
And uh, if you're listening and live, it- stay tuned for uh, uh, talk about fermenters, comparing the different fermenters and how you use them and uh, advantages, disadvantages. And uh, until then, uh, Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong, everybody.